Mike Young, stories that need to be told. We are just knocking these things out of the park, just knocking them out. Every other day, you know, on a roll, people are listening. My neighbor came across the street today who was taking my mom to the market. Very nice lady. Awesome. Mrs. Tushman. Uh, and uh, said she really enjoyed the podcast. So we've got we've got teenagers in South Carolina and people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s in Detroit, Michigan listening. So I'm very happy about that. Love the demographic. Here we go. Still in Detroit. <clears throat> sitting here with my brother Rob. What up, Rob? What up, Mike? Nothing. Uh, sitting here. It's a continuation podcast. We left off the last time. We were talking about the process. The comedy process, the creative process, it's a heavy process. Rob hooked us up today with a meeting at uh, Royal Oak Music Theater with the guy, that Justin, who runs the whole place, and I'm getting ready. I'm going to do a special in 2018. Fact. So now it's time to crack through, correct? Correct. Thanks. And part of that process is new material, taking old bits and just expanding them under the same concept. It's time for me to dive in. I haven't been feeling much, and I was talking on the last podcast about how I kind of got dead on the inside. Dead. As a doornail. <laughs> nah, not feeling. Unfeeling. Unfelt. I started, and I was watching a great interview last night with Rick Rubin and Kendrick Lamar, and Kendrick was talking about how he's just got to feel the emotion in the song. And I used to, when I used to write comedy, when I would write it, I would always feel like something powerful. Like It would come through me, I would feel it, and I'd have to talk about it, write it down. But then I had some heavy shit happen to me, and this is no excuse, it's just, it's my fault for not breaking through it and getting over it, but I had a few traumatic incidents happen in my life, suffered a little post-traumatic stress disorder one of the side effects was i don't want to call it depression because i'm not depressed but one of the side effects was definitely the inability to really feel connect to humor that's right you two said it best last night at the grammys you gotta get out of your own way Right, you two did a great performance of a song that they had a track that they've they, they've done 13 songs over i think that that same track you two sounds exactly the same, but they're amazing. Regardless. Get out of your own way. I'm getting get out, out of my own way. You gotta get out of your own but way. But you said we were going to go into this podcast and we were going to talk about it because I'm just going to be fully transparent without saying names or, you know, really indicting anybody or getting anyone in trouble. I just went through some shit. So I'll let my brother tell it so that I'm not really telling it, but we'll just, we'll get through it. Where do I start? Back uh, 15 years ago? Maybe more now? When you uh, eleven got, years ago, I got the phone call. Eleven years ago, yeah. No, it was longer than that. No, it was like eleven. It was eleven. It was years longer ago. than that. Post traumatic stress made you forget about time. It's been at uh, least fifteen. One years. of the side effects of post traumatic stress is also the loss of time. Mike thinks that eleven years ago was nineteen eighty four. I have no idea what year anything is. I, I've suffered some brain damage, but I'm doing great. I feel good. My act is still tight on stage. I've never been hired more as a writer, producer. For I'm, Everything's fine, but I went through some shit. It's karma. It's karma as well. So My karma? My bad karma? No, it's great karma now. Oh. Karma comes back around. This. I got it. Uh, so now I'm holding the microphone. So about 15 years ago, Mike got into a... Altercation. Altercation at a club that he was performing at. Yeah, performing at a comedy club. First of all, a comedy club. 
first of all, how for, it's a legendary story in Hollywood. Everybody in Hollywood knows it from from the top notch A listers all the way to anybody in the club scene knows this story. You go to a comedy store and you say Mike Young, it's legendary. So I get a phone call that Mike is on stage. But you knew already that I was going to, when you got the phone call. When I got the phone call, you were off stage. It had happened. Right, but I'm saying you knew I was going to a a meeting. You knew. I I went to the meeting with you. No, no, no. Let let me say a couple things that that my brother doesn't remember. I got into a situation years ago. I got into a skirmish with a guy, and we got into a fist fight, basically. And it turned out to be bad for him because I had my boxing skills were tight. I got into a fight. It turned out to be the wrong guy. When I got into the fight and knew it was the wrong guy, things were set into motion, and I knew that the guy was going to want to sit with me <clears throat> at some point and re-meet me and meet me somewhere. And so I called my brother and told him, that I was going to meet the guy and right. because we had talked about the options. Right. The options were me moving back to Michigan and coming home for a while or facing the music. And right. because I hurt the guy, he was never going to let this go. And that's the type of person that he was. So that's that. So then, boom, we have the meeting and right. my brother gets a call. Right. So we talked about going to take the meeting because the guy was going to just want to talk to you because everybody vouched for you and said that everything was cool. And that he understood that you were there really protecting the, the venue that you were performing at. And it wasn't anything against him. It was just he was disrupting the show and you put an end to it abruptly. Like a dummy that I was. Yeah, but also streetwise and common sense. You, you felt threatened and you took care of it. So kudos to you too. It's just unfortunate this guy was who he was, and he uh, promised that everything was going to be okay for your meeting when you went to go sit down with him, and unfortunately, it wasn't. It was basically they... Savage. Yeah, it was a savage beatdown. So, you know, Mike shows up at the the place to go sit down with him, uh, guns drawn, go sit down, table slid in, arms down. Dude, you know, and these guys with the guns put, you know, put Mike basically to sleep. Uh, to sl- they didn't put you to sleep. You didn't get knocked out, but he got beat up pretty bad. I was you- out for a minute because I can't. I was out. Whatever. You don't have to say that. But you weren't. You got up and you walked over to Cedar Sinai and you you got medical attention immediately. True. And you called me and I flew out the next day, and then the wheels were in motion to get this whole thing back on track in our favor. And I'll let you tell that now. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, the incident had a major effect on me. And I'm just, you talk about these things just to get them off your chest. But it had a major effect in psychology. And I was very lucky when the beating was over with, I checked all my limbs and somehow I was fine. And I wasn't broken and I, there was no gunshots just the guns were on me and I ended up going to Cedar Sinai yes in a full CAT scan unit MRI situation emergency surgery and basically I looked like the elephant man I looked ridiculous my brother called he got on a plane that night is when he got on a plane and um, what I did not like was the way you left Michigan to come to LA because he didn't tell my mom that I was okay 
he just left. And then my mom was freaking out. So mom was like, what? She, mom was going crazy. So for your further reference, God forbid anything happened, you tell, you make sure mom's okay. And then you go, just so you know. And uh, so then he comes to L.A. And long story short, after this incident, I became very paranoid. Right. You know, and all the all the meeting, you know, when you have a situation with somebody that's, you know, considered a real, you know, gangster, businessman, whatever you want to call them, yeah. you know, some mob type shit. When you have that kind of thing going, this is just what these are the rules that they play by. Right. And that he had to do what he had to do. And I actually I'm OK. But some of the side effects that happen are post-traumatic stress disorder. So my side effects were uh, major paranoia because I could every time I saw a car behind me, every time I pulled into my driveway, and this goes on for somebody years. Somebody walking by you. Somebody walking by that looks shady. Yeah. Because for years I would get visited by like just random hoods uh-huh. around town would be like, yo, homie, I'm, I'm glad you're okay. Like. And they, I didn't know them. They just heard the story and knew who I was. It became a very popular story to the point where there's a documentary on YouTube about like Six Degrees of Paris Hilton, it's called. Yeah. And they're traveling around the city and they go to a place. And they go to a place and they're like, this is the place that such and such happened. And they didn't get my name in the documentary. I watched the documentary. But the story was me. And they got the names wrong and the place right. And oh. so it was very interesting. I didn't know if I ever told really? you that. Is the documentary out there? Yeah, it's what, out there. I'm, it? not, I'm not going to say. No. I'm not going to okay. say. It's an investigative reporter guy did a documentary about all the underworld shit. Was she at the venue? She was there, yeah. She, she was, was there. Yeah, so when it all went down, right. Paris Hilton was there. Mariah Carey was there. <laughs> Toby was there. Kevin was there. Every My boys were all there. Right. The purpose of this story is really just to say I had some mental issues. And it was like heavy duty. And so one of the effects was I wasn't feeling comedy anymore. I couldn't be funny. I wasn't feeling... Even though I went back to being on stage, I would just go through my emotions, do my routine... Boom, boom, boom. But for years, I couldn't, like, write you, you, a new joke. Right. You did not. You were, you, you were stifled. You couldn't evolve. You couldn't progress. You were absolutely stuck where you were prior to the, try, prior to the incident. You were sort of stuck in this time zone, and you haven't broken out of it. And you're starting to, and you're slowly doing it. We, we've done some things where you've... Where you've you know, I put some notes down on the stage for you at one time, and you you got that. But your best moments are when you are on the stage trying new stuff. Totally. And you're, but you have there's an innate there's a fear that you have now that you have to work through, and that fear is 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 this post traumatic stress. Now I don't know. I'm over it now. Uh, I'm, 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 you I'm, say I'm... you're over it. You say you're over it. You say you're over it. I'm gonna tell you what though. We went to a little venue the other night with Mike, just me and Mike, rolled up into this little venue here in Detroit, and there was 30, 40 people there, and you still reverted back to your shit from 15, 20 years ago. Right, but let me just say this to my brother, which he doesn't get, and he just isn't going to get it, but like, when you go on stage as a comedian, there are things that you know are going to work, and then you, the way you fit your new material in is you open with something that you know works to get the audience on your side. Then you prepare to fail and start your new stuff. So I did start some new stuff, 
but I knew what would what would work with those guys. And it doesn't benefit them or me to do absolutely new, unproven, untapped material in a 40-seat room. When you have seven minutes? With seven minutes. There's no, I can't find, you can't find any rhythm in seven minutes. There's no, there's nowhere, so there's, there's nowhere no you could. Rhythm, if there's no rhythm in, in seven minutes with your old reliable stuff, why not just take a stab at it and use all the stuff that you're, that you've already tried on stage in other places, like at the comedy store? That's your practice. You, when you hit the stage, man, anywhere else besides a comedy store where you're working on all your new shit, you should be putting your new shit out there, is my point. No, you're right. No, you're right. The, the whole point of this whole thing is, no, but the whole point of this whole thing is, I got to get my new shit cracking. And, and it's written. It's on my computer. I looked at it last night. Literally, there's so much new stuff that I haven't done. But the craziest shit is, is back in the day when you're first starting comedy and building your act, you are, that is your mentality. You're going to try new shit in all these crazy rooms. Then when you get on the road like I did, you do your proven shit. So it's just, it's, it's, I'm not making excuses. It's my bad. I need to get back, crack and open some new shit in the new rooms. And I almost got to get hungry again. Even though I'm tr- double busy doing other things. Like, when I was doing that, I was just doing comedy. I wasn't writing, directing. My brain, my one side of my brain wasn't working on just writing something. So it's not that easy, at least for me. I'm not like a super smart... I'm smart, but like I'm not like some mad scientist who can like write a movie all day long and then have the brain power and energy to go on stage at night and do all new material. My brain is just fried. You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe I need to use that e-brain, brain on from e-live that everyone talks about, the algae. Anyway. Is that something you eat? You put it in your, it works. It's amazing. Is it a drop? E3 live. Do you put it on your tongue? Do you eat it? You can put it on your tongue. You can put it like algae in your water. You get it from Plum Market has I forgot to get it. You can just scrape it off the top You could use it. You could use it. My brother forgets a lot of things too. He played college football and pretends that nothing's wrong, but every now and then he he forgets things and goes backwards. But that's another podcast. That's we'll do we'll do a young brothers athletic podcast. Flip the script on me. Yeah, no, but the point is, I need to do new material, and I looked at it last night, and like Mike Young versus Young Mike, that I think is going to be something that's strong, and that I'm going to get into. We have to dive into Young Mike versus Mike Young. I just said that. I know, but I forgot. Exactly. C- <laughs> CTE. Yo, you have to dive into that. That was one of the things we talked about in the last podcast. Yeah, and I'm going to trend, and it's going to end on a dope ass rap. Young Mike is a rapper. Mike Young likes John Denver. He listens to Connor Obers. He's not afraid Jim of Emmy Lou Harris. Jim, I'll sing Bad Bad Leroy Brown. You cry uh, when anybody sings I'm Leaving on a Jet Plane? If you sing I'm Leaving on a Jet Plane, I cry. That's Mike Young. That's Mike Young. But Young Mike will bust 18 bars of the sickest Wu-Tang Clan shit you ever heard in your life. Run and DMC. LL Cool J. Rakim. Yeah, I mean, I'll bury you. That's my shit. That's Young Mike. And then I'll steal your gold chain and sell it to my friend who owns a pawn shop on 8 Mile. They raided my boy's pawn shop. They did? Our friend. Oh, yeah? He's got two pawn shops. Yeah, they took one of them. They raided both of them. Oh, yeah? They didn't take either of them down, but they went looking for things. Well, I hope they didn't find anything. They didn't find anything. Except for like an old guitar. Yeah, they found a bicycle and a unicycle. And a medallion. And a, and a typewriter from 1971. And a banana bike. 
Right, exactly. And a clown nose. And a used set of golf clubs. So anyway, the point of this is, it's to, I got I to gotta do new material. And I'm going to, and I promise I'm going to, because Rob and I met with Roy Loke Music Theater today. Yep. He is going to give us the venue to shoot my special. We locked in two locked in. dates, one for the summer and one for Thanksgiving for this year. Yep. So we've, we'll see what pans out. But we'll see what be, pans out. Within six to nine months, there's going to be a special being filmed at the Royal Oak Music Theater. And I can't wait. And I'm going to bust ass. So I'm going to dedicate, on my end, one hour a night, somewhere in my day, one hour a day only, to my new comedy. That's just what I have mm-hmm. to do. And I'm just going to become a machine. Because I'm looking at, like I look at Judd Apatow. Like he popped up on the Today Show. He did. When did he have time to do a documentary on the the Avett Brothers, yeah. an amazing folk group, yeah, yeah. folk rock, who I love. Yeah. I'm like Judd Apatow is doing stand up. He's producing movies. He's got crashing on HBO. That just means he's just always working in workflow. And I'm getting to that because I have. To, I am getting into that the zone. The difference between you. I'm and not Apatow, by the way. No, no, just no, saying. No, 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 no. You know, you're Mike Young. Yeah, I'm Mike Young. But and I'm just when saying. When you go into the cave, you're young Mike, and when you. But you. But the difference between you and Apatow, anyone else, which makes you unique, is what you've been through. Now, if you can, you you have to acknowledge more and more what you've been through because what you've been through is making you the person that you're going to be for the rest of your life. So you think even that bit that we just talked about, the tra- traumatic shit, Absolutely. I should turn into a comedy bit? Per- Absolutely. Like what's funny in it? Give me one thing that you can think is funny. Oh, I got a bunch of things that I think are funny. How I became the accidental mob boss of California. Like, well, that's... Like, I mean, because after, after you beat up a gangster, like, and it's, even if it's accidental, but, and you don't snitch, because I never snitched, and the police came to me every week. Yeah. Organized crime division showed up every week at my house. Yeah. And when you don't snitch, the word gets out quick that you're not a snitch, and right. I'm just not. And word got out quick, and all of a sudden, I was getting all this respect, like anything you need. Hey, you want me to get you dinner? Da, 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 da. No, 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 Mike, right. can I help you? It's like, no. Right. It's like... I just want to be a comedian. Right. You, you, I don't want to be the boss. Right. I'm but, good. Right. But you've, you've been anointed. Yeah. You have to accept the anointedness of the whole thing. They gave, you've got the power. You wield a big sword now. You, you've literally been... Is that true? Is that you're like, true? yeah, you're knighted. You're, you're, you're the man. Wherever you go. One of my boys who's like been in that world for a long time, he texted me one day years ago back. He's like, well, now you're in. Yeah, I'm like, what does that mean? I'm in. Listen, I'm not. I'm a Jew. I'm not saying it because I'm I'm not saying it because I'm your brother and I love you and I was there and I was in the mix with all this. I'm saying it because I've seen it. So you need to catch up to your persona. You need to catch up to your legend because you have created this uh, by default. You didn't even do it on purpose. It just so happens that you're the greatest human being on earth. Happens to be doing comedy. Happens to be doing all these great things. My and brother says ridiculous things. I'm not the greatest human being. All right, slow down, bro. But thank you. I'm, a, I'm a good I mean, person. You're my only brother. I'm, I'm young Mike. No, you got flaws. You got flaws. Yeah. But some of the funny that came out of that, that we've talked about, I mean, just some of the funny is, I mean, when we went and met with the mob boss of the New West York. Coast and New the- York and everything... He was sitting there like petting a kitten or something. Like a little baby dog. It was a poodle. But he had his two like, you know, guys with him in the room. The three, it was the five of us in the room. Me, you, the mob boss and his two guys. And it could have been more like, 
It was like our room. It was like a comfortable room to be in. Perfect example of what of how they thought I was I was anointed. We're sitting there with like an underboss in the mob who's from the East Coast. He's petting a dog in a chair. He's got one guy who looks like a a, a human gorilla. Yeah. Who you don't see people like this in public. No. He had a tank top on. Remember? Yeah. His shoulders and his biceps were the same size, <laughs> and he looked like he eats furniture yeah. just for if he's hungry. Right. He was a monster. And they basically were like, what do you want to do? Right. But the funny thing was that I caught that the, the boss said, he goes, oh, he goes, hmm, hmm. You know what? You'd be perfect for our organization. You can throw your hands. You're a good-looking kid. You don't, cause, you don't talk a lot. You'd be good for us. You know, if you want to come over. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just trying to do comedy. Right. But they asked us, I mean, they point blank asked us, how do you want us to handle this? What would you like us to do? Right. And That's where I knew yeah, to say nothing. Yeah, and that was, and, and, and we did the right thing by, by not, not because, taking them on that, you know, because we would, then you'd, you'd be in. You owe them. And our dad taught us that from a young age. Yeah. Don't ever do business with yeah. these guys because you you're in. But now you've run into these guys time and time again in the last decade or so, and they want to be your best friend. And anybody, and even the guy that did this to you, you got an open tab at any of his places. We're good. You're good. We're good. <laughs> We're good. But the fact is, is that you're you're done with it. That's behind you. But you've got to work through getting beyond all that. Totally. That and I'm making a and, and I'm making a commitment. Yeah. It has been difficult cuz it puts something in my brain where if somebody that just doesn't look right is walking by me, I go on the aggressive. If a, like I said if a car is behind me when I pull in my garage, I get like who's coming now. I get even if I'm in a different city, I just it's it, it affected me. There is no doubt that it affected me. And that's why in my mind I'm like, "Oh, this motherfucker, he won." He got me. Like, he won. Because it's with me. He ain't thinking about me. I'm thinking, And I'm not thinking about him, but I think it's just in your brain. Well, you so know. I think talking about it helps me. Yeah. It helps. It helps. Because it's all a make-believe world. And it's like Rob and I grew up, I mean, it's no secret from the podcast, but my dad had friends in the world, in the underworld that ran Vegas, and me and Rob would be 9 and 11 years old in Las Vegas in a four-bedroom suite in Caesars Palace while Tommy Hearns is in one room, mm -hmm. Emmanuel Stewart's in another, and the middleweight champ, mm -hmm. uh, you know, little kid who's on his come-up, lightweight uh, contender, Obakar, is in another room. Yeah. This was how we grew up, and so we had people, and we have people that live in that world, too, yeah. and they love us, and it's like... When someone loves you, they they'll go at they'll go to war for you too. Yeah. So yeah, and you had a gang load of support. And so remember, like growing up, remember we would we would come home after like a Vegas trip, or we'd come home from the club, and like a super celebrity was there, or you know somebody was coming into town like Elvis, or somebody was coming into town, and they're gonna like be at the club, and we knew about it, but like obviously we were the only kids around. And we would come home and we're like, who can we even say this to? Right, me and my brother. Literally, it was unbelievable. Right, me and Rob sounded like little liars growing up because yeah. our dad was great friends with Al Kaline, Hall of Fame baseball player for uh -huh. the Tigers. We called him Uncle Al. We'd been to his house. When we come home and we're at a Tiger game, we go to the press box, we see yeah. Al. It's all love. But he truly was our – and because Detroit's not a celebrity town, so to speak. So it sounds like we're making things up all the time. And it's like when we were young, it got hard to say things because we just – Our dad's best friend was a doctor 
for all the entertainers that came through town. And my dad would go play racquetball with the group Chicago. Right. He knew the guys in Black Sabbath because he went back. They came over the house and had brunch. Yeah, Bobby Lamb and the guys. Yeah, yeah they had brunch at our house. They were in the band Chicago. Right. We didn't know what was going on. We were just kids. You right. know what I mean? But we definitely grew up very lucky with my dad's friends. And that's why when we went to L.A., you're not like – it never shook us because no. – to us, our dad was the coolest dude on the planet. Yeah. There was no one cooler. Yeah. He could have. He he was cooler than any celeb we ever met. You can almost say the reason that you're that you are alive today is because dad okay, was on my shoulder. Dad was on your shoulder. He was that guardian angel. Well, he was also. I mean, he just taught us how to maneuver w- maneuver in, in in different worlds, and he and we were around the, those worlds. We already knew the rules of engagement. True. Growing up. In like it. I asked one time, yeah, my dad, our dad worked at the Southwood Athletic Club in 1975. Ran. He ran the club. He ran the Southwood Athletic Club. You can look up the Southwood Athletic Club. What will come up as an article, it will say AmericanMafia.com, and you'll see a story about Jimmy Hoffa. And when he disappeared, all the, all the gangsters, their alibi was that they were at the athletic club. And they were. They showed up that day. But the point is my dad ran that place. And Rob and I were kids running around that place, and my dad would just come home and just give us little lessons about how to maneuver your way through life, and you know, be humble. Be humble. Don't. My dad would look at flashy people down the street and like yeah. driving Mercedes and trying to show off, and he knew he knew that he had more money in the bank than they did in his yeah. pocket. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wasn't about being flashy. He taught us that, yeah. but he also taught us because you remember like certain sentences in life. I remember asking mom one time if the feds questioned dad, like yeah. during the club. She goes, Oh, you know, my mom, you know, she wasn't in that world and she had like a naive little girl type of attitude towards it almost. Right. And she yeah. was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you never talk to those guys. You, you never talk to those kind of guys. <laughs> like, just matter of fact, like, you just don't talk to the. <laughs> To the cops. You just don't <laughs> right. talk to them. Right. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, times have changed in the world and fucking snitches are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people do what they got to do. And the world's different now. But but the point is, we grew up in two worlds. And that's why, that's why I want to do Mike Young versus Young Mike. Because yeah. Mike Young truly had a bar mitzvah yeah. at a nice restaurant. You know what I mean? School, Went to Hebrew school. Kid. Did his Hav Torah. Babysat. You know what I mean? Loved, babysat. Loved kids. Loved my family. Yeah. Loved my cousins. You know what I mean? But Young Mike would put a pistol with a BB gun situation <laughs> and go out and rob cars and jewelry. And, yeah. you know, and, he, and feel bad about it because Mike Young would pop back up. Exactly. And I'd feel bad. Right. Still two car radios. On Wednesday nights when Aunt Barbara and Mom were watching Dynasty at the house, you and I would go out and you were young Mike. Yeah, I'd go out. My cousins would come over. It's (laughs) Dynasty night. They'd watch Dynasty with my mom. Favorite show on Wednesday. I'd go put on my jean jacket, put the gun on my jacket, meet my boy in a parking lot, go out, pop, 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 (laughs) bust out some car windows, get the car radios, and I'd meet the Arabs on Monday and get my cash for 80 bucks a radio. Yeah, done. Young Mike had five hundred dollars cash in ninth grade, <laughs> sitting in his thing. Yeah. It's uh, Young Mike was, but like, I regret those things. Yeah. Even though I lived through them and they're fun, I actually regret them because yeah. karma was real. It was coming yeah. back in yeah. different ways, sure. and whatever it was, it wasn't cool. And I tell your kids, I tell my nephews mm-hmm. that. I actually lie to them a lot and just say, you know, <laughs> no, I never did this. Never. Right. And I tell them, yeah. 
here comes my mom. She's coming in the room. But I lie to them. I don't lie to them. I just say, you're an idiot if you do these things. These are the right. dumbest things you can do. Right, and we did them. And by the way, they are good. Yeah. They're good. They don't no, do that no, shit. They're great kids. They don't know. My brother, my nephews are the coolest kids on planet Earth. They don't, they don't have one iota of gene in them that wants to go steal a car radio because cause County doesn't want them to do that. You know what I mean? Because your wife wouldn't allow... It's not cool to her that we did that. No. You know what I mean? It's not cool No, we wouldn't. Do what we did. That. No, no, no. But do you ever think of what was in your mind when we were young, when we were doing dumb shit like that? Like what your, your thoughts were? Dust. <laughs> um, I do. What were you thinking? I was like, in my mind, I was thinking, F the world. I had an F the world attitude. Because in sixth grade, when Aunt Lillian passed away, I thought to myself, well, if... The world's if, gonna end. Yeah, I thought to myself, if my favorite aunt dies, mm-hmm. and she's only 30-something, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not making it past 20-something. That's what I thought. I'm like, I'm not making it past right. my 20s. I'm just going to go crazy right. and... And do terrible things, but that's the stupid mentality of a teenager. Yeah, but if you think like that, I thought I thought very similar to that because I was, I obviously was your tag along. So I tag along. <laughs> so I thought that I thought the same exact thing, because I was I was feeling the same way, and I were, I was already an aggressive type kid, so I already had like a, a short fuse. So when I got angry or upset, the only way I knew how to express it was not through words. It was through being, you know, physical. physical. Yeah, my brother was, uh, he had freakish, um, uh, retard strength. <laughs> it's retard. It's, you see kids with, you know what I mean, who just like have those big backs, you know what I mean, that can lift up a car. You just, you got that Meckler strength that, and like I'd meet friends and they'd brag about their strong, tough friends and this and that. And I always knew in the back of my mind that my brother could beat up everybody. And I've already talked about you, like beating up Mark Rubin on the driveway. Uh, it's it's already, already Mark. It's already been on the podcast. I knocked him out. But yeah, you start tagging along, and then I bring my brother out, and then all of a sudden he beats up my friend, and then mm. now you, now you can't hang for a month. I had a I, I had a lay low in uh, eighth grade. <laughs> my brother had to go on the lamb into a safe house in eighth grade. I remember he knocked one of my friends out. My friend, when he woke up, the first thing he said is, don't tell anybody that your brother did this to me. I went into school on Monday with my hands raised like Muhammad Ali. And I was like, you're not going to believe what my brother did. I told Man, we thought we lost the whole pod, but we didn't. Um, this is a 30-minute piece. I'm wrapping this one up. We'll bring it back. I got my mom sitting next to me. Say what up, Ma. Hello. <laughs> what are you looking for, Candy? No. I don't eat after I brush my teeth. Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Is that forever? Forever. So I just found I just found out something about mom. What? She doesn't eat ever after she brushes her teeth. <laughs> Never. Like Never. even if we brought in ten M and M's, you won't touch it. Mm-mm. Nothing. Nope. Some childhood shit. Whoa! If I if I gave you like a piece of chocolate right now, you'd eat it. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, you would. You'd be tempted. Yep, I would be tempted, but I wouldn't eat it. No? Nothing? Haven't we eaten after you brush your teeth before? Goodies? Uh, like a goodie? A good goodie? Like a chocolate chip chip cookie? Or I, I eat late night 
chocolate every single night. It's my habit. I haven't had a drink in 29 days. Good. Not one single sip of anything. Good. I feel like, Good. I feel like two days ago you said it was you 20 days. You don't ever need it. You sure? My mom thinks I never, ever need to have a drink. You don't need it. I don't I need it. I have a life without it. I haven't died, died yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been sipping tequila for years, every, and, uh, and I'm fine. My mom's never had a sip of alcohol, and she's uh, she's walking around the house on a walker right now. Yeah. Maybe you should start eating edibles and sipping tequila. Right. Why don't you start sipping tequila a little bit? Because I don't like the taste of it. It tastes like paragor, which you kids wouldn't even know what that is. What is it, like an old serum? Paragoric is what they used to give you if you had a stomachache when you were a little kid. It was horrible tasting. That's exactly what the... Alcohol tastes like to me. Did you ever? So my mom's a nerd. No. Uh-uh. Straight laced. Yeah. Nerd. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, my, yo, I'm you won't even have a glass of wine at dinner half the time. Yo, because I don't like the taste of it. It's not like I'm a, against it. I just don't care for the taste of it. Yo, mom right. even reprimanded a 52 year old man today on on our text message. There was a 52. My friend's mother passed away a couple of days ago. My dumb dumb friend put we put us in a text chain. My one buddy cursed on the text chain. My mom piped <laughs> in on the text chain and said, "Is this the best language you can use?" <laughs> he's 52 years old. He, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing anyway. Well, he's a jackass. So. Right. <laughs> She'll start a full battle tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, my breath. it's been a heavy week. Heavy week. I'm supposed to go to New York today, and uh, my boy's mother passed away two nights ago, so I canceled that trip. I'll go Thursday. Performing Thursday night in she Jersey. Was a terrific lady. She was. R.I.P. Carol Shaw. Amazing lady. Yeah. Evan's mom was super cool and funny. Funny, wacky, and funny. Um, but yeah, she was I would see her at Starbucks with a giant book, just reading for hours. But Friday night, I'll be in Morristown, New Jersey, playing at the Mayo Center. Oh no, I think it's the Rao Center. I don't know. Morristown, New Jersey. Me and Bob Saget. Saturday night, we're playing Mount, uh, the Poconos. Um, Somewhere Mount Airy, we're playing a casino up there in the Poconos. And then next week, we're playing Thalia Hall and Crystal Lake, Chicago on the 7th and 8th. Detroit, Royal Oak Music Theater on the 9th. Cleveland on the 10th, Rock Casino. And then we got Nashville coming up. We got Seattle coming up. We got Denver coming up. So it's all good. Today, I got an offer on the White Boy Rick book. Um, I'll tell you guys about that later, but like... um, I think I've already mentioned it on maybe one or two podcasts, but like White Boy Rick, they shot a movie starring Matthew McConaughey. Um, we did what we could to try to get Rick paroled out of Michigan. It worked. He's been out. He's out now. Um, he's got to do a little more time in Florida. But I was lucky enough that the Harper Collins, the publisher, they called me and made me the offer to write the story of, of White Boy Rick and have it come out simultaneously with the movie, which comes out in August. But they want the book done by like late April. So it looks like I'm going to do that. And then we're going to shoot a movie in Detroit. Um, I'm not directing it. I'm just writing it. And, uh, yeah, humble brag, humble brag. Be humble. Humble brag. Get down. Humble brag. I like that. Be humble. Humble Get brag. down. You never heard humble, bra- humble brag before? No. Is that a part of a song? No, humble brag is like a famous term. Who came over the Q-tip? <laughs> no. Q-tip. Uh. 
Can you rap? You on point five all the time, tip. You on point five all the time, tip. I love that Chappelle shouted out Tribe Called Quest last night because the Grammys, it's fun to watch, but at the end of the day, it's a joke. Because right. there's no reason Tribe Called Quest was not nominated for a Grammy for their new album. It was incredible. Right. You know what I mean? And Chappelle shouted it right out. Dave Chappelle, I predict, will be once again the biggest comic on the planet soon enough. Yep. Over, you know what I mean? Kevin Hart, Chris Rock. But Chappelle's he on. He's no, yeah. no, but I'm saying he's going through a, a brilliant Confirms. zone. Yeah. He's going through a phase right now, and I've been watching him at the comedy store. Where all I can do is be in awe and just go, this dude is on a frequency right now as an artist yeah. where it's just coming through him. And it's beautiful to see. So shout yeah, out he, Chappelle, who I opened 14 shows for and right. didn't think he would remember me. And of course, he's just like, Mike, what up? Like, you know, people get big and huge and you yeah, just like, yeah, no, but you think, I know, but you're not, you know, no, it doesn't because he was like, what up? Yo, humble brag. Yeah, but think about it. You know, here's a guy that you probably have a lot more in common with him than you than you think. Here's a guy that literally literally walked away from a gang load of money, a show, fame, and everything for five, six years. Walked away. Incognito off the radar. What it, but what? he was a superstar. I have nothing oh, in common with him. Yeah, but you were on a trajectory and at the time this thing happened fifteen plus years ago. He wasn't who he is today either. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he had the Chappelle show. He walked away after that. Okay, but that was. He was in the middle of it. But he was just. He was. He was evolving. He was a young comedian that got a show that was evolving. Yes. And then he walked away. That had to be traumatic for him. There was something that went on traumatic in his life that that he walked away from the money, the show, the fame, and everything, and went low key incognito. And he came back strong. Strong. So there's something to be said about that. I'm coming back strong. And by the way, Mike, to your credit, you didn't really take off much time other than healing. Because even when you were performing, because you did perform with black eyes and a broken nose. And I sold the show with Toby. You actually went I, I sold was, two shows. And you sold two shows. So karma is a real thing. But actually, when I was there with you, while your face was, was blown out, I think we went, actually went to the comedy store. Yeah, sure. And I think you just like got back in the mix a little bit. Yeah, I did. And people were like, "Yo, you came out." Of... People were like, "Yo, you came out in public too early." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I had a baseball hat on, but I was not really fully looking too good. No, you weren't. But that's no, you. Weren't. That's you. You came out, and you, and that's you. That's a part of the process for your healing. And you should honor what you went through, and honor what you've been through, and honor what you're going to be going through, and all the new stuff that you got that you need to unleash. To the public. Unleashing time is coming. I'm cracking through. Yep. And that's that. Um, Ma, what game are you playing? No game. What is that? Nothing. It's I'm, I'm doing a word game. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My mom is hooked on these words for friends and words. No, they're called, good games, though. They're good for your brain. Good brain game. Yeah, anyway. Uh, God bless everybody. Find the fun. That's my new thing. Find the fun. Life is going to hit you no matter what. It's going to beat you down. I'm no one. Find some fun. Find the fun, Ma. Find the we fun. have fun. We laugh a lot. I know we, we do. We're a laughing family. Big we have a lot of funny shit. A lot of funny my shit. My mom says funny shit all the time. It's unbelievable. 
Um, Part of our humor comes from the pain that we've been through. Oh, the pain! But you know, at a very you mentioned it earlier. At a very early age, we experienced a lot of death in our family. Every year for ten years, somebody died. I basically looked up at God and said, yeah. "Okay, what's up? We're just cursed. Like, what's going on?" Yeah. Every single year for ten years, yeah, someone right. died. To call people. To it got people. to the point where people at school were like, "What's up, young? Like, what's go? We, what, what's happening?" Yeah, we missed more school and ate more deli trays in a ten-year period than the average kid. I I literally right I I I could build a deli sandwich. <laughs> In 30 seconds, right. literally. I know the right. corned beef, turkey, Swiss, yeah. coleslaw, Russian dressing combo yeah. that everybody's been dead to. Exactly. You've got the funeral sandwich. I got a funeral body. Yeah. God forbid. <laughs> no. Enough, enough. Enough. All right. All right. <laughs> Just kidding. But you know what I mean? That diet is not a diet you want but, to be on. But, but to my point again, we had to use humor to get through the pain. We, exactly. So find the fun in life. Everyone's going to get knocked down. Find the fun, find the funny, have a good time. Don't ever get into a fight when you don't know either person involved. It's stupid. I made a mistake. My Detroit DNA got the worst of me, but I'm all good. And I'm coming through with strong, new material. Yo, your DNA, your Southfield DNA saved your life. Maybe that too. 100% you're sitting here. Yeah, true if that. If you weren't from where you were from, you wouldn't have had the sense to do what you did and get through what you got through. Right, I'd be gone. Probably. Yeah, honor that shit. Don't fall back into a rut and woe is me, I did something No, wrong. I'm not Don't saying woe is me. Post-traumatic stress is a real thing, Mike. It keeps coming back. <laughs> no, no. I'm all good. I've never been better. I'm strong as shit. Um, but yeah, so you need to, my brother's basic point is like, own, own my shit. Catch up to young Mike. Catch up to young Mike. Yo, yeah, exactly. Be the young Mike I'm supposed to be. Exactly. All right. I hope I'm not getting a cold. I'm getting out of here if you're getting a cold. All right. <laughs> Stories that need to be told. Find me on Instagram at the real Mike Young. If you need anything, you call Blue Team Restoration. If any of your commercial buildings burn, flood, mold, or crack, Blue Team Restoration. Call Rob Young. Robert Young is the real name. Uh, peace out.